Dr. Alana Ratner, one of our most uh, frequently watched videos is the earlier interview you and I did. People so appreciated your fastidious scientific approach to what you were saying, and you're backing it up with so many articles that we added underneath that interview. And we'll link that interview underneath this interview for people who didn't see that earlier one. But it was, it was, it was respected and beloved because I think Kiwis so value truth tellers at this period. And I wanted to, to do a catch up with you. How have you been coping since we last talked with the enormous changes that we've seen in New Zealand? There's lots more VAX injured people coming through, especially mm. the heart injuries. And we have quite a few in Tauranga and they are still not being taken seriously. I would um, be very concerned if I was going to hospital with the myocarditis or pericarditis at the moment. What are you hearing actually on that about hospital visits? Because I interviewed Steve Oliver about a horrific that. hospital vi visit that he had for taking his mate. They didn't even get seen and his mate was having a, a heart attack. What are you hearing about Tauranga? The same thing in Tauranga. A friend of mine was in there for 10 hours with her sister the other night and she said that the nurses get getting called away to blood clots and heart attacks and strokes and no one really was getting seen except for these people who are coming in with heart attacks and the nurses couldn't cope and the hospital was full, like 150% full. And yeah, it's just crazy. Somebody's described it as a bit like third world Indonesian hospitals in the seventies, you know, that they're really starting to look broken down. The system looks like it's breaking. And not only that, the government is really hammering down on the earthquake prone buildings and closing a lot of them. So in Hutt Hospital, I think they're closing a building that houses the cardiac and the maternity. So there's nowhere for the cardiac and maternity to go. And that's happening in a lot of hospitals are getting entire wings shut down or shut down completely. And the heart people have to go to Porirua and Porirua is too small to cope. So what, what are we going to do? It's like mm. they want to purposely de um, destroy the public system. So everyone has to go private or what, what their reasoning is, it surely can't be purely ideological. It seems incredible what's going on. And at the same time as the, there are cries about how short-staffed we are with nurses and doctors. There are health professionals still being mandated out of, of their living, of their lives, yeah. of their careers. You're allowed to work with COVID, but you're not allowed to work if you aren't vaccinated. So in Australia, they're actually causing calling the unvaccinated nurses back and asking them to name their pay because they're so desperate. So, but here, no. It's not been here. insane. Let's get it. more more patients, more vax injuries, less medics, less paramedics, less nurses. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's it's beyond incompetent. I mean, I I maintain absolutely this will go down as the worst government we have ever had and the worst prime minister. I absolutely am clear about that now. I hope Labour is never in power again in this country, ever again. I think in they've the betrayed us. you see her described as the, um, the mad woman in charge of New Zealand or the crazy woman in charge of New Zealand. That's what the British newspapers are calling her. Is They're not even right? giving her a name. They're not even naming her now. They just say the crazy woman in charge of New Zealand. You know, on a, on a complete aside, I briefly saw at a friend's place the, the celebrations in London for 70 years of the Queen on the Throne. That was early on Sunday morning broadcast live. There was not one single mask in sight, not one mask. And the whole mall 
was full of people and there were people just thronging all through London. You never saw it on even the, the, the media. What are we doing continuing the mask wearing, Alana? What's your view on that? It's to lose people's identity and to remind people that they need to be afraid. That's what I think, because there's no scientific reason for it. In fact, the masks will make it worse in every sense. And now they're finding in autopsies of people's lungs, they're finding microplastic particles, which is probably due to the general environment, but will have to be worsened by wearing a mask all the time. And you're breathing in the condensed air particles that you breathe out, you're rebreathing them in, so you're getting a high risk of pneumonia. So it's just crazy. It's making people sicker wearing masks. I've said that in, in shops when people say you must wear a mask and I go, no, the mandate's are over. This is finished now. We've all had Omicron and they go, no, you must wear it. I go, do you realize it's weakening your lung capacity? And if you do get this, if you get any viruses, you need strong, healthy, oxygen-rich lungs. It, none of that makes sense either. The microplastics, I've heard that, is, is there the potential that in all these throwaway masks, there are microfibers of plastics that we could be breathing in? Yes. Absolutely. Whether that's what the what was shown in the autopsies or whether that we all might have microplastics in our lungs, who knows? But um, definitely the masks would increase that. So let's get back to what else you've been seeing. Have you been having people who've been jabbed, injured approaching you, Alana? Well, I have. Um, just one I'd like to mention is a young 19-year-old woman who was vaccinated and had symptoms of myocarditis and pericarditis and went to A&E four times in Tauranga, was told she was anxious, must be hyperventilating, drinking too much coffee, etc. She was so sick that her father um, bought a defibrillator himself because he was worried that she was going to, her heart was going to stop. Finally, she went to Europe and she got a, um, she got an MRI scan done of her heart and she has myocarditis and pericarditis. And in New Zealand, we were specifically asking for an MRI scan of her heart. We specifically requested that and no one would do it. And here she is, she's over in Europe and she's got a scan and she has myocarditis and pericarditis. Now, not only that, but she also now has pretty bad um, PTSD because she's been told for four months, five months that she's neurotic and anxious and it's all in her head. So she's got to cope with the fact that no one believed her and now she does have what everyone thought she had and she hasn't really been treated in the interim and what's going to happen to her. And how many other people like that? Probably thousands. That's, that's a Tauranga example. Alana, that's, it's heart breaking and there are going to be a lot of angry people as we start to talk out I mean they're doing our best their best to censor us from giving people a voice to try to silence the voice that alone should put every Kiwi on notice that this government is illegitimate because a normal government encourages discussion of evidence of ideas of plans they're doing we've had none of that from this government but as more and more Kiwis get their courage and speak out to people like you, and you can transmit that information. I think Kiwis are going to be very angry when they find out what this government's really, really doing. If they admit to it. What, what else are you seeing, Alana? What else are you seeing in the people coming to you? And, and people are presenting with aortic dissection. And um, Chris Cairns had that a while ago. I don't know whether he was vaxxed or whether what they decided that was about. But what's happening is the... Um, spike protein is getting 
gobbled up by the white cells and the white cells are moving in, into, the, um, into the lining of the blood vessels and causing inflammation and the, and the inflammation weaken, weakens the blood vessel lining. And in the aorta, which is the main vessel that leaves the heart, um, it's got a really thick, thick muscle wall because it's a, it's a has to um, make um, has the highest pressure in the body of the blood, and even even that the the inflammation is so bad that it's making splits in the muscle wall, and the blood is going from the aorta from the vessel in, into the wall of the vessel, and then it's bursting open and putting pressure on the heart, and the heart can't can't. Um, beat and the blood basically leaves circulation and the people die. So that's a pretty horrible way to die. And that's happening more and more often, aortic dissection. And um, they don't think they know in New Zealand how to do the autopsies. I don't think A, they're asking for autopsies. And B, I don't think they're doing the autopsies properly. Overseas, they're actually looking for the spike protein. They're looking for the spike protein in the white cells. And they're looking for the white cells in the area where you would expect to find them around where the split is in the muscle wall. And there are protocols now um, given from pathologists overseas as to how to do a post-COVID query vaccination induced autopsy. So I can put those up for you just out of interest, but I actually don't think that they know how to do them in New Zealand. And there's a pathologist in the paper the other day saying that she was seeing lots of organ failure in COVID, in COVID um, deaths. And I'm wondering why she was saying it's the COVID that's causing the organ failure, because it's most likely not the COVID causing organ failure, it's most likely the spike protein causing the organ failure. And as there's far more spike protein in people who have been vaccinated than in people who haven't been vaccinated, the most likely cause of that organ failure is not the COVID, infection but the vaccine spike protein and overseas they're saying that when they do those autopsies they are finding the organ failure solely in the vaccinated people so people dying of COVID overseas with organ failure when the autopsies are done properly those who have died of COVID who are vaccinated have the organ failure and those who have died of COVID who are not vaccinated are not showing the organ failure. So I think New Zealand has to A, get up to speed or allow the pathologist to get up to speed because they're missing something here, maybe intentionally. Could any pathologist watching this please contact me at liz.gun at freenz.org. I would love to interview pathologists and I would love you to be there in that interview and we could together both ask them these sorts of important questions. But I'd love you also to put up that protocol. We'll, yep, we'll I'll put up the protocol afterwards. and the papers. Yep. You have raised a crucial issue every time I hear on the radio in the car, although I can't bear to watch TV now, but if I hear on the radio reports about the number of jab, of COVID, sorry, COVID dead and, uh, and in hospital, um, my first question is the question we should all be asking. How many of those have been jabbed and how many have not been jabbed? That is the question no media is asking and the government doesn't seem to be asking either, does it? No one's telling us. Um, in New Zealand, we get a, um, every week, they give us a rolling average of new cases of COVID per 100,000. So that doesn't matter what percentage of the population is vaccinated. If you're looking at it per 100,000, you can make it all on the same playing field. So the seven day rolling average to the 15th of May, which is the latest available, 
of new cases, 66 new cases were unvaccinated, 75 had one dose, 163 new cases had two doses, and 189 new cases had, were boosted. So the boosted are having three times the COVID infection rate as the unvaccinated, which is the opposite of what the, the government is telling us. They're telling us to get boosted to avoid infection. But if you get boosted at the present time in New Zealand, you have three times the chance of getting COVID. That is staggering. I'm just taking that in. That is staggering. So the government's assurances that it's safe don't yes. stand up. And the government's no. assurances to us over and over and over that it is effective in warding off COVID infections. They, those assurances do not stand up in the face of the evidence that you are no, gathering. They're they the lying. They're lying because there's no way that they don't know. There's no way. If people on the street know this and they can look it up, there's no way the government doesn't know. So they are outright lying. And we also have um, a situation in New Zealand where the New Zealand boosted deaths are more than the fully vaccinated and the not fully vaccinated, which includes one dose and no dose combined. So if you add up the fully vaccinated, the two doses, the one dose and the unvaccinated, the New Zealand boosted who have died is more than all of those. So you've had more deaths in the New Zealand boosted than you have than all the others combined. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, what I'm saying makes sense, but it shouldn't be that way. The government is saying that it protects you from death, but there's been more deaths of boosted people than all of the other fully vaxxed and unvaxxed combined. And when you asked me, does it make sense, my mind had jumped to the question so many Kiwis are asking, should I have the booster? Is it safe to have the booster? No. Or look at the figures. What is no. your answer to that, Alana? Do not have any vaccines and definitely do not have the booster. And we've got statistics from overseas, from England, and remembering that um, England is six months or so ahead of us in their vaccination program. And the, the, there's two types of statistics. One is um, how many children and one is how many adults. So the all-cause mortality figures is everyone's, all the deaths of everything in a period of time. And if you have got a vaccine protecting you from a disease, then your all-cause mortality should really stay stable. It should be the same as the years when there wasn't that disease because the vaccine is working. But the all-cause mortality in Britain at the moment is 50% higher than it was prior to the vaccine rollout, which means that there's 50% more deaths since the vaccine rollout than you would have expected there to be. And those are not COVID deaths because there was COVID around before the vaccine rollout. So those deaths have to be attributed to the vaccine unless there's something else that we don't know about that is going on. So the insurance companies are the best people to get this information from and they have recorded a 50% all-cause mortality rise since the vaccines rolled out. So that's really bad. That looks really bad. That's extraordinary. And when you say it has to be attributed, it, it's using common sense, which doesn't seem so common anymore. You look at what has changed. What is the thing that has changed? And some people will say it's it's the lockdowns people have had, and it could be. I mean, people have had more heart attacks from stress. People have had less um, outpatient clinic follow-up for cancer. They have had less um, operative um, 
interventions. So yes, some of that could be due to the fact that the hospital systems have not been available for follow-up and treatment of those people and lockdown might have increased suicides and heart deaths from stress. But whatever way you look at it, it's elevated. So it's elevated because of the response to the so-called COVID pandemic. And a lot of that will be vaccine deaths because we know that the vaccine deaths are huge. The vaccine deaths are huge. And I was going to raise that the suicide deaths I gather in this country are massive and so enormous that the government's Te Punaha Matatini, which is one of the most sinister Orwellian governmental bureaucratic outfits I have ever seen in this country. They are basically a PR spin group who are designed to mislead and lie to and soften the lies and make them more plausible to lie to the New Zealand public. It is absolutely Orwellian and ghastly that we, the, the taxpayers, are paying this group of over 70 individuals to lie to us. They're the ones who came up with the group of 12 misleading you know, informationists when it's people like NZDSOS and Voices for Freedom. Telling the truth. And us just telling the truth, just trying to find the stories that are being hidden by this government. And we are the liars. But it is, it is, it is frightening to me that they are spinning the numbers and, and absolutely keeping out of the dialectic, the, the true numbers from overseas. We never hear these overseas statistics, do we, Alana? Ever hear from Israel, which was six months ahead of us, or the UK, which was six months ahead. And the, the pregnancy deaths and the, the breastfeeding deaths and the birth defects, we don't hear about that. We're still told that it's safe and effective. But back to the suicides, I, I don't know if we spoke about the suicides last time, but New Zealand is seeing suicides in children as young as seven. And that, that is just, just appalling. You know, this government was meant to have a wellness budget a few years ago, and the suicides have risen so high that firefighters are chopping, cutting down four, four suicides a week. You know, they, they, they don't want to go to work anymore. People, people are, are getting traumatised by the amount of suicides they're having to um, take down or pick up or... I, I heard about an orthopod in Auckland who, uh, over the lockdown, couldn't do his private surgeries, but he was being called in again and again to work on the shoulders and the necks of people who had attempted suicides. Again, would any of you be whistleblowers? We need whistleblowers in this country. We need those firefighters who are seeing this. The and police. we have been trying so hard. I have been trying so hard to get parents to talk and just about get them to talk and then it all goes silent and these are the parents of the children who have died and the parents are being paid a large amount of money to keep quiet and you just about get them to talk and then they disappear and all I can say is that is the government tracking their phones and threatening them when they know that they've been speaking to me um, and paying them off more to be quiet or threatening them in some other way because there are a lot of parents out there that have been paid a lot of money when their children have died from the vaccine and no one is going to think badly of these parents if they come and speak forward come up come forward and speak everyone will support them I mean we have got a team with NZD SOS of psychologists and doctors and detectives and people to protect them from any threats that the government might be giving if they would come forward. And the whole country would support these parents coming forward because they would see how brave it is of them and what trauma they've been through. And they are standing up 
to say, my child was vaccinated. I made a mistake. It's not really my mistake because I wasn't given the proper informed consent. The government lied to me. And now the government is telling me not to speak about my child's death and they're paying me off and they're threatening me um, not to talk. We would, we would rally around as a country and support those parents and protect them. And Absolutely. They're not coming forward. And every time they don't come forward, it's an awful thing to say, but when they don't come forward, they are partially responsible for any future child that dies because they could have been out there warning the other parents. I can't understand why they're not shouting from the rooftops. But um, yeah, I, I but, love I love I love what you say. It is it is unsettling, and it should be unsettling because each one of these whistleblowers could stop this. A number of them, a huge tidal wave of whistleblowers would definitely stop this nightmare in New Zealand because it would be us, the people behind the whistleblowers. And we together would say to this government, this stops now. I remember when I interviewed a family member of an all of an ex all black, very high profile. And I thought this, this person's profile, this person's link with, with a high profile all black will be enough to make Kiwis question. And then that night a call came through, please don't put that interview out, please don't compromise what, the money that, that he's earning from post-career um, funding, I don't know, nothing is worth that. His, his own family member was injured. If he had stood up all those months ago, the number of people who might not be injured now, the number of deaths that might not have happened, and we he all would know have been a it national is. hero. It's heartbreaking to me. And everyone knows... Everyone knows who it is anyway, and that doesn't make us think very, very well of him. I know. And none of these people, none of these people whose children have died, should feel guilty, and they do because they were the ones that took their child. But they weren't given the information. The government lied to them. They said it was safe and effective. So these parents trusted the government. It's not their fault that their child has died. If your child has died, it's not your fault. It's it's Jacinda's fault for lying to you. She has a lot of blood on her hands and she knows it and she does not care. And now I would extend that blood on the hands to, to the media. To all of and the media. But the media, because they have to know. Simon Dallow has to know now the number of injured and the number of, of deaths. And he has to know that there's the whiff, the, the very strong whiff of corruption in all of this. And yet still every night he puts out this fear-based storytelling that is no longer news because it's not telling both sides. Getting back to the suicides as well, that very uh, insidious Tepunaha Matatini, the, the Orwellian PR spokespeople, they have renamed, helped the government rename suicide. Accidental death. Accidental death. Now, why would a government do that? Just ask that question. They'd only do it because it's a way of hiding the vast number of suicides. They and say the, the suicide number has dropped now, <laughs> but the accidental death number has risen. So How if, convenient. <laughs> if you are questioning this interview and saying, oh, this is all too conspiracy, it's not conspiracy theory. This is not, we are basing all of this on evidence, Alana, all of this on patent evidence, if you follow the numbers. Mm. And I'm um, talking about the children again, again in Britain, and they are way ahead of us. They have um, something called the Office for National Statistics, and they have recorded very, um, very carefully everything. And if you go to their data and you read it properly, you can see that in the 10 to 14-year-old age group who have had um, 
two doses of the vaccine, their all-cause mortality has risen 3,600%. And in the 10 to 14-year-olds who have had three doses of the vaccine, their all-cause mortality has risen 8,100%. So if your child is 10 to 14 years old and has had three doses of the vaccine in Britain, that child is 8,100% more likely to die of anything than an unvaccinated child. They don't tell you that. And that will be, that will be the same in, in New Zealand, if, if we had the statistics I'd expect, because actually Britain has only vaccinated 7% of its under 10-year-olds. And I think we've vaccinated more than that. But that's horrific. 8,100% more likely to die if you've had three doses in a 10 to 14 year age group. That is Not more likely to die of COVID, but more likely to die of everything. So that's probably taking all the side effects of the vaccines, which is what the children are dying of, because that children don't die of COVID. They don't. There's a 99.9% survival rate. They're dying of vaccine injuries. So have you dug into the sorts of of, of things that are happening health-wise? And what what is your explanation to that? Are you... What are, those, what are those statistics telling us about what it's doing to the health of those children, the immune system? It's killing them. But from the immune point of view, um, there are several things. When, the, when someone who is unvaccinated encounters COVID, they will make antibodies to the whole virus. They will make antibodies to the spike protein and the nucleocapsid and any other part of the, of the antibody. So they'll make a very broad a bunch of antibodies where someone who's that's vaccinated... That's what Mother Nature does. That's what Mother Nature does within our bodies. Mm. Yes, and where someone who's vaccinated, the vaccine has taken over and only made the spike protein. So the fact that they have only the spike protein antibodies instead of maybe 10 or 12 or whatever other antibodies as well makes them far more likely to succumb to COVID and far more likely to get very sick from COVID. And also they cannot manage the variants because they've only got the spike protein, the original Wuhan spike protein antibodies, which A, we know are non-sterilizing, so they actually don't work, and B, they have um, stopped the person's body from making any further antibodies. And there's something called the original antigenic sin, which means that the first time you come into contact with something, that's the only antibody you'll make for that. So they basically have their immune system completely suppressed by the fact that they can only make the antibodies to the original Wuhan spike protein, which no longer exists, except for in the vaccines. And therefore they're going to get worse infections, reinfections, organ failure, everything. They, they, that you're going to do much worse off. Not only that, but we've now found that the spike protein goes into the nucleus of the cell, which they all told us, no, it stays in your arm. And then they said, no, it will never go into the nucleus, but it does go into the nucleus of the cell. And when it's in the nucleus of the cell, it does quite a few things. It, um, it suppresses your immune system and it impairs the ability of the DNA to repair itself. So we all always have mutations in our DNA and sometimes those mutations go on to make cancer cells. But most of the time, our DNA repair mechanism kicks in before that has a chance to happen. But these people who have been vaccinated, they don't have that DNA repair mechanism working properly anymore. So they, the mutated cells aren't noticed or they 
are noticed but are not able to be repaired. So these people are getting cancers that have never, they never would have gotten otherwise. And the pathologists overseas, and again, overseas is about six months ahead of us, but they are seeing a huge increase in cancers, new cancers, and also a huge unexpected increase in cancers returning in people who previously had their cancer in remission. And they are seeing unusual cancers, cancers in age groups. Age groups don't usually get certain cancers and they're seeing that. So they're seeing a lot of kidney cancers in young children. They're seeing a lot of different brain cancers that are very rare. Things that they don't usually see, they're seeing a lot of. And not only are they seeing more of these, but they are progressing more rapidly from um, the time of presentation to the time of death. So it's an increase in cancer. The progression of those cancers are very rapid and people who have previously had cancers, their cancers are coming back when they're not expected to. And that will be because the DNA repair mechanism is basically destroyed in those people because of the vaccine. You explain it so clearly. For people, I always in these sorts of interviews feel such love and empathy for people who have, as you said earlier, taken this on absolute trust of what the government told them, safe, it's effective, and are now starting to wake up and be horrified at what might be in their bodies. What can we offer those people? I just want to pull back from this for a moment and say, what is on offer for people who are at that stage and now want to help their bodies get Um, well? In in New Zealand, we've been having a, a vaccine injury clinic run by NZDSOS for for some time now and that's um, New Zealand doctors speaking up with science many doctors who are mandated the best of our doctors courageous ethical moral and willing to stand by stand by what they believed and not go along not be forced not be bullied so there are finest doctors and you're one of them Alana so that's on our website but um there's a there's a group overseas called the frontline um COVID critical care group, and you might have heard of them, they're abbreviated to FLCCC, and they're an American group who stood up um, a long time ago and said, let's treat with ivermectin and vitamin D and hydroxychloroquine, and um, have been bashed around by the press and the government, and they have had always had protocols out for people to look at for the treatment and prevention of COVID, but um, last week they put out a protocol for vaccine injuries, which is almost exactly the same as the protocol that we've been using here in New Zealand, which was good to see that we are thinking in the same way that they are thinking. I will put that protocol up on for Liz to put on the website. And it, what it does is it gives you some options that you can look at for if you have been vaccine injured, things that can help your body to um, repair itself. So there are simple things. Some people like their heart patients are benefiting hugely from ivermectin. Um, as a vaccine injury treatment as well as an absolutely incredible medication. But um, there are also guidelines around um, vitamin use, so intravenous vitamin C, vitamin D, melatonin, all different things that you can have a look at and you might even be able to take them to your doctor and show them to your doctor and see how open-minded that your doctor may or may not be. But but that's all there. So we'll put that up for you um, as well. At this stage in the interview, actually, Alana, I'm going to ask everybody who is benefiting from listening to this interview, please copy this link and share it because because of the fact we've mentioned some some 
other options other than this jab, we could very well be censored. I put up a list after I got over a few days of Omicron. I put up the fact I'd taken vitamin D and NAC and vitamin C and all these other things. It was very practical stuff that our grandmothers would have would have known about. I was um, then given a Facebook ban for 90 days for, for that one post. So unless you copy this link, it'll probably be taken down. But if you copy it and you share it person to person, group to group, one to one and group to group, we can get past the census for now. And we must get this interview out to as many Kiwis as possible. Isn't that shocking in itself, the censorship, Alana? Isn't it just it's shocking? They're taking and they're trying to ban the sales of things that they know help. If anyone hasn't clicked now, you know, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up, please. And we've been trying for the children and the pregnant woman to get information out there as much as possible because there is our future. And as fast as we are trying, um, Jacinda is trying to um, reverse the efforts that we make by further advertising for children and pregnant women to walk up and take the death jab, which is, she's not a mother in my mind. <laughs> That's not what a mother does. And Alana, you know, six months even, definitely a year ago, I would have said, oh, the death jab, no, that's too emotional a term. That's, it's hyperbole. It won't be that bad. The government wouldn't do that to us. The horrors of doing our own research, person after person who's taking the time and researching the articles. And again, I remind everybody, the articles underneath both this and Alana's last interview with me, you can just research through all of that material. If you do that, it will be enough to change your perspective and to start to wake you up to other possibilities. But the horror when I was researching Alana of thinking, could, could a government be willing to hurt its own people. No, no, I'm imagining that. No, no. This, but the evidence starts to, to take you there. It, it's undeniable. It, it's very Orwellian, and, and she's got her disinformation um, set up now, and she's got, she, they're hiring police for COVID surveillance, and they can't even manage the break-ins to people's houses and, and muggings on the street, but they can hire people to train them for COVID surveillance. And, and I think you just can't trust the government anymore. And all these parties that are currently in government are on the same page. They, they are all on the same page. And if they're not on the same page, then they're useless because they haven't had the courage to speak up. And there, there is um, something that's been happening lately and it's really important. And Jacinda is fully on board with it. And it's called the WHO Pandemic Preparedness Treaty. And they've just had a meeting um, last month um, to try and get this pushed through. And they failed to push it through because so many of the African nations, I think 42 African nations um, stood against it, as did Brazil. And what they wanted to do was have the WHO and the UN take full control of everyone's um, sovereignty. So remove all our sovereignty in essence from all the countries that, are, that agreed to this which is 192 countries in the world are members of WHO and the UN. And so they wanted to have full control of all pandemic responses should there be another pandemic. So they would take over um, the mandates. They would mandate the vaccination. They would mandate lockdowns. They would tell what the economy could do. They could tell what the children would do. Everything to do with everything we do would be controlled by the 
WHO and the United Nations in the case of pandemics. So what would obviously happen is there would just be rolling pandemics, whether there were pandemics or not. I mean, this wasn't, this current COVID business wasn't even a pandemic. It didn't fit the guidelines. So they changed the guidelines so that it would fit the guidelines. So basically that is the way that Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum were going to roll us into this new world order, one government situation, one government, one currency, and remove our sovereignty and remove our ability to make our own decisions. But fortunately, there are enough awake people in the world who have spent the last several months um, doing everything possible to be done to raise people's awareness of this. And of course, Africa doesn't want people like the WHO controlling them because they've been failed by the WHO so many times and especially failed by Bill Gates. So, so they're onto it, um, but the rest of the world still needs to get onto it. So if you hear anything about the WHO Pandemic Preparedness Treaty, um, please, please look it up and please send in letters. Um, you'll find sites, I'll put a site up who you can send the letters into of right. protest against it. But it, it seems to have been tabled for now, but there are some countries, including Australia and America, who have gone ahead to rewrite um, what was going to be put through but was declined. They're rewriting it so it looks better, and then they'll try and put it through again in a short period of time. So it's not completely over. The risk is still there. The hallmark of these people, and it does seem to be driven by this very initially very covert group that's run by Klaus Schwab. And for people who haven't researched this, this is not, this is not wow, woo-woo stuff at all. This is all out there. They do it in the open. It's under the World Economic Forum. There is a white paper on New Zealand under the World Economic Forum about transhumanism, about um, sort of the marriage of, of machine and man, and that New Zealand could very well be a test trial case. I mean, this is horrific stuff this is stuff in sci-fi movies that we would go that's ridiculous no kiwi no kiwis no humans would want that and this is being forced on us through lies and through a media that is completely subservient and owned by blackrock and vanguard very worried and who, who was she visiting the other day there is BlackRock. a photo of jacinda walking out of blackrock probably getting her latest bonus but blackrock has um, become very involved with asb black bank here last year so it's it's all infiltrating and people think, oh, cool, we're going to have a digital currency. We won't need to carry cash. We won't need to do this, that, the other. It's not so cool at all. In fact, it's really dangerous. It means they can track every single thing that you spend your money on. And then they can say, well, oh, you've had too much meat this week. We're going to block your bank account because you've used too many carbon credits or, oh, you've bought too much petrol. We're going to stop your car now. And of course, if you have an electric car, they can just literally stop your electric car wherever you are if you've traveled too many kilometers. But you don't want to have a digital currency where everyone knows exactly what you spend, where you spend it, what shops you go into. That's just horrific. And aside from all that, your grandmother, the grandmothers won't be able to give their grandchildren money. There's no, no roadside stores for avocados. The children can't sell their old, old toys or make lemonade stands. That's not going to exist anymore. So all those things that we have grown up with in a part of our life, just simply children saving their money, one third in this jar, one third in that jar, one third in that jar, is not going to be possible anymore. So even if you think, oh, that's great, digital currency. No, 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 it is not great. It is just an absolute intrusion on your personal rights. And it's intrusion on your privacy and it's a control issue. 
And it's going to be marketed and sold to us. It's yes, such a great thing. It's something really great. That's the, great. That's the it's cynicism. Not good. Be really cynical when all the ads for that start to roll out about how wonderful it will be. Because here's a scenario in China with the traffic light system, with the, sorry, the social credit system. And I confuse them now because our traffic light system in New Zealand is a soft rollout Vision. of a system that is very, very similar to the social credit system. So in China, somebody like me speaking out could be punished by having my money frozen. It's very easy. Speaking out, I'm just trying to gather the truth in this country against a government that is being tyrannical and lying to us. But why should I be punished? Because it doesn't go with the government's narrative. Can you not see the danger of it? So then This is person, what they want here. Mm. Absolutely. This is what they want. So any person who does anything the government doesn't like or your children do anything trying to strive for a free life can then be managed and controlled and punished and your money and their money frozen under this wonderful single single digital currency. It is not a good plan. And we are we are highlighting that now. Bookmarking. People say, oh, we already have it. We already pay with our cell phones. No, you don't. You can pay with your cell phones and you can pay with cash. And your cell phone payments don't record every item that you put into your grocery basket. They just record that you went to the supermarket. But the new one will say, she bought um, steak and mince and fish and whatever and eggs and oops, she's over her limit for the carbon footprint. She can't spend any money or she can't do this, that or the other. Or her children won't get into university. I mean, the, the possible consequences are endless. And if you well, had... Let's go into that. Isn't the carbon footprint and all of the worry about climate change, isn't that a valid thing? What do you, you know, think? Try, no, they're trying to say, oh, we'll have a carbon footprint tracker. Won't that be fun? It won't be fun. It'll be restrictive and it will stop you doing things that you want to do. And there's, there's, there's no proof that there is climate change. There's no proof that the world is warming. The hottest temperature was in 1998 and it hasn't risen higher since then. Well, I, I, you know, there'll be people crying foul now saying, oh, my God, she's in that school. She's a, a vax denier and a climate change denier. Oh, I'm not listening anymore. Listen, stay with this, because because get this, it was being called global warming until they realized, realized it wasn't warming. warming. So now it's called climate change. So the PR spin doctors changed the name. But doesn't that tell you that it, they, they realized the lie was going to be exposed if it stayed under that title? Keep questioning. There's a big problem with pollution and waste. There's no doubt that there's a big problem with pollution and waste, and that needs to be addressed. But there is no problem with climate change. And if there was, all these very, very wealthy people wouldn't have bought beachfront mansions right on the sand. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. If you go down to Wellington, you can see where the, where the water level was meant to be in 20 years, 20 years ago, and it's still where it was 20 years ago. There are areas of erosion. New Zealand is sinking. New Zealand is actually sinking. The, the sea level isn't rising appreciably and it will not in our lifetime or our children's lifetime or our grandchildren's lifetime. And ice is being added to the Arctic and actually we're probably coming into a cooling period. But you won't hear that because it doesn't fit the narrative. They want you to be scared. They want you to reduce your carbon footprint. They want everything for themselves. There's no truth that eating a vegan diet is going to save the earth. In fact, it will probably make it worse because there'll be more pesticides. The land is unusable after a few 
few times of the crops being put on it. They're planting all these pine trees, taking away the farmland for sheep and dairy. You plant the pine trees, you cut them down, you can't use them again. You're planting native trees. Native trees are very beautiful, but they don't sequester carbon as fast as pine trees do. So the whole thing is, is crazy. Get into regenerative farming. Your, yes. your farm will, will cover its own carbon footprint if you want such a thing. New Zealand is the least has the least carbon output of most countries in the world. I think we have like 0.15%. And of that carbon output, it's almost the tiny fraction that is human made is, is, is minute. I've got a graph somewhere which Liz can put up, but it's a tiny, tiny fraction of carbon comes from human activity. The rest comes from volcanoes and, and natural earth activity. I'll, I'll put the thing up for you, Liz. Nothing really comes from us. It's all a big con to control you and control where the money goes. And it's very cleverly done, a little bit like COVID. There was a virus. There was definitely some virus, and we've all been sick from it, and most of us have got through it, as I did, as probably you did, three to five days. And most of, most of the friends who are reasonably healthy and eat reasonably healthy diets and not filling themselves with poison in food and drink and drugs every day, they're getting through it pretty quickly. But there was something it was just that it was turned into this enormous drama. And it feels like you, you put your finger on it before. There is, There are ways we can improve our relationship with Mother Earth, have a cleaner sky, have better waterways, have, have cleaner, cleaner land practices. But it's being turned on its head and dramatized, and you named the word, to make us full of fear. And they want to take... I mean, Klaus Schwab says, let's take a crisis and make it an opportunity for us, for that little 1% who have all the money and all the control. Let's take a crisis and make it our opportunity to make a better world. Yeah, better world for, for Klaus Schwab. How would he feel if he had nothing? Would he have, be happy if he had nothing? He wants to say, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Well, I wonder, do you think Jacinda owned nothing, be happy? Klaus Schwab, own nothing, be happy. I Helen don't Clark, own, own nothing, be happy. Helen Clark, who's implicated in all of this as well, to her oh, great absolutely. shame. So for people who have no idea about Klaus Schwab, and this all feels a bit too far out, where would you advocate people starting that research? You are so widely researched. I will put something up for you. Klaus Schwab's father, um, Eugene Schwab, um, was a Nazi, and he had a big um, manufacturing empire that he actually had on the border of Germany and Switzerland and he manufactured um, propellers and ball bearings and all sorts of things which he supplied the Nazi government with during the war and then he went on to um, manufacture parts for nuclear bombs which he was um, trying to supply to South Africa as well and uh, so he, he was behind a lot of evil and Klaus took that over so Klaus Schwab has been raised in a Nazi family his mother was a Jew and um she, I think she died quite early on and his father remarried um, a good blonde-haired, blue-eyed German woman. But Klaus Schwab will never admit that his birth mother was a Jew. And the, the history of that family is, is really pretty sinister. And I, I would imagine that Klaus Schwab is still a Nazi in his heart. And the rise of Nazism probably never went away. And America took a lot of the um, post-war German Nazis over there and, and the the as of Nazis in the Ukraine at the moment. 
I think we are dealing with a huge um, problem with these people who say they are so wonderful and kind and caring and they want to save the world are actually just a bunch of Nazis. And that's no exaggeration. This is research. You can find this sort of research. So and if you look at the Ukraine, and the Ukraine is just um, every city, every town you go to has these huge statues of the Ukraine Nazis who, who were put there by the Germans during World War II. And I can put this up for you as well. I'm happy to give you all of Lee's links so that people don't think I'm just a nutter. But um, the, the links are all there. It's, it's very, very clear and very evident what is happening. And I'm, I don't know that you want to go into the, UN, the Ukraine conflict. We probably shouldn't go there, but it's fascinating. Well, I, I think it is too much for this interview. But what I would say to everybody watching this is basically anything you're being told in MSN, stop and say, is there any truth to this? It now behoves me as an individual, a sovereign being, to go and at least do some investigation and ask questions. And if you do do that, you'll find often what the narrative in mainstream media is, what you find when you're researching is the opposite. opposite. The opposite is the truth. And this is what they don't like, which is why they call the truth tellers the liars, while they and their propagandists lie to us. Everything's flipped. It's hard it's really interesting. To, take in, to take in, but as your brain starts to, to realize, you start to flip everything. Yeah, what were you going to say? The Ukraine is, a, is an excellent example. I mean, and originally America denied having any biolabs here, but then they said, yes, there were biolabs there, um, but oh, the biolabs were only for military defense purposes. They weren't biolabs for anything else, but their biolabs doing gain of function and whether they're for military defense purposes or not, they're not allowed and they're dangerous. And they, they, they're so dangerous that they put them in Ukraine, not in America's soil, and they put them there also to, also to hide them. And you know, it just if you just look at that one lie, no, there are no biolabs in the Ukraine. Oh, sorry, there are biolabs in Ukraine, but they're for um, good purposes. There's no good purposes for biolabs, you know, weaponized biolabs. So even when they get caught out in a lie, they make another lie to make it look better. So if, if you just take that one point about the Ukraine and the one point that the people that are fighting in Ukraine are the Azov Nazis, and you look, here they are sending billions of dollars to the Nazis in the Ukraine who are direct um, direct descendants or, or offshoots from the original German Nazis. And here's our government sending money to Ukraine to support the Ukrainian Nazis to cover up the, the American bioweapons labs and the money that is being laundered by the Biden family, et cetera, et cetera, through the Ukraine. And then you look at the history of NATO and the, the deals that NATO made with Russia and have broken. They have broken the deals they made with Russia, especially in the Donbass. And then you look at um, evil, evil Mr. Putin. Evil Mr. Putin actually is just trying to look after his people because the biolabs are next door and NATO is encroaching on him and and he has made a deal with NATO about 14 years ago that NATO has been breaking every year since. And he is actually, no matter what you think of President Putin, he is just trying to look after his country from the encroachment of the West and what they are doing in the Ukraine. And personally, I can't really fault wanting to look after your country. And whether or not Putin has done bad things in the past, you also have to look at the USA. Look at the USA, they invaded Iraq, on no basis, there were no weapons of mass destruction. They have invaded Afghanistan, destroyed it, and then left all their weapons there, all their billions of dollars of weapons that the Taliban are now using. What 
how dare America say that Putin is bad when the biggest terrorists in the world are the Americans? Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, they have just left a mess everywhere they've gone. But oh no, we are not criminals of war. But oh, Putin's a war criminal now. It's, it's crazy, it's upside down and back to front and you really have to stop and you really have to do what Liz said, look and read the media and then say, let's have a look around this because there is information and they've blocked, they've blocked the Russian Today newspaper, they've blocked all access to Russian newspapers, but if you use a VPN address, you can get the Russian newspapers, you can get them and watch Russian embassy um, Facebook page, the New Zealand Russian embassy, have a look at that. They're not lying to you. Why would they lie to you? It's fascinating, Alana, because I haven't gone down the, there's so much other work to do that I haven't gone down the Ukraine bolt hole, but I, my gut just says everything I'm being fed by mainstream media on the COVID situation is a lie. So why would Ukraine suddenly be highly ethical? So I've, I've sort of bookmarked that on the side. When I get time, I'll look down it. That was an extraordinary summary. Now, whether you agree with Alana or you agree with mainstream media, it's absolutely your responsibility to research both sides. I'll, I'll put it up for you, Liz, and you can I'd stick it there. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, wouldn't it be extraordinary, Alana, if we had a media where we could have that sort of discussion, where we have the pro-Ukraine and the and the anti what's going on by the American government. To we need debate. to be allowed to debate things and to debate things civilly and not just say, oh, you're an idiot, you're wrong, you're crazy, because that's just labelling, it's not debating. You need to be able to say, here is my information, this is what I think, and here, here is all the linkage to my information so that other people go and read it. And the other side can come and say, well, here's my information. And whoops, I don't have anything to back me up. Yes. Because they don't. And the people that don't have anything to back you up will just call you crazy. Mm. Absolutely. Whereas the people that, that do have something to back up will say, well, you might not agree with me. That's fine. You don't have to agree with me. But here's some information. Why don't you go away and have a look? And I really don't mind what you think but I'm giving you the information. The other side, like Jacinda says, you're crazy, we're gonna cancel you, you're telling disinformation, you're spreading untruths. We are the only source of truth. If someone says they're the only source of truth and you believe that, then you need to seriously step back and think, why would someone say we are the only source of truth? And Liz and I aren't saying that. I'm not saying I am right, everyone else is wrong. I'm saying, this is my perspective. This is what I have, conclusion I have come to after having looked into both sides of this extensively. And if you like, you can look into it how I have done. You don't have to agree. That is democracy. And of one layer further is I may not even agree with what you say or believe it's true, but by God, Alana, I will die for your right to say it so that I can say I helped to uphold a democratic New Zealand. Absolutely. And if we don't allow each other to express views that are different from our own, what do we end up with? A completely ignorant, and in our case, a very wounded country. If we had had debates about COVID, if we'd had debates about this whole Ukraine thing, we would have seen, oh, the way we're being played is that it's one fear crisis to another. So we have mm -hmm. COVID and then we that starts to wane with Omicron. Everyone goes, what is all this? 
It's not what they said. So quick, another crisis, Ukraine, let's all put our flags out. And let's not put flags out, by the way, for all of those beautiful unarmed Kiwi families who were horrifically traumatized and injured in Wellington. No, no, no. The government's just said, move on from that. So we just, we worry about all the injured in Ukraine and we haven't worried about our fellow Kiwis who I'm still hearing from, who are horrifically PTSD, post-traumatic stress disordered because of what they went through in Wellington. And so then another crisis and another crisis, and now it's climate crisis, always fear. And the one thing we know, fear is the tool of the tyrant. If they can keep their population in fear, they'll divide the population and they'll drive down the middle and try to keep themselves in power. Let's not be that country, Alana. How do we wake up in your view? How do we wake up? I think what you need to do is you cannot rely on your government to tell you the truth and you cannot rely on your government to look after you. And you have to start preparing for what the worst scenario might be. And if you look in America at the moment, they, there have been too many coincidental arsons of food producing plants, chicken factories, um, slaughterhouses, they've been burnt down left, right and centre. And then on top of that, you have the bird flu scare, then you have the pig sickness scare and the pigs are being slaughtered and the chooks are being slaughtered. And everywhere you look in America, and the, the, the baby formula scare, everywhere you look, the food supply is being attacked. And if it's happening in America, it'll start to happen here. And actually, we've had four food processing plants burnt down this year. I didn't and, know that. Yeah, and and the, the farmers are being asked to cull their herds. And the, the horticulturists are being asked to plough some of their produce into the ground. And it's already happening in New Zealand. So what you need to do is you need to learn how to fish. You need to teach your children how to wriggle their toes in the sand and get the tua tua out. If you're a hunter, you need to teach your children how to shoot the possums and the rabbits and the pukeko. You need to have a veggie garden. You need to go and get the heritage seeds from somewhere like the Koanga Institute, which I can put up for this. You need to start teaching your children how to grow their own food, catch their own food. You need not to rely on electricity. You need to make yourselves a little outdoor fire pit or, or get a brazier or, or something that you can cook food over is simple all you really need is a few a few um, concrete blocks and a grill and you can you know some dry twigs and away you go you need to be able to teach your children how to cook on that how to boil water on that how to cook rice in that boiling water how to cook porridge in that boiling water you need to be able if you had to to look after yourself drop a bore get some water purification tablets you cannot rely on the government to look after you especially in this country where we have the worst prime minister in the world at the moment who is intent only on one thing and that is elevating herself and destroying us and it doesn't matter where you're from who you are she doesn't care she doesn't care if you're Pakeha, Maori, Indian, Chinese she doesn't care about you so you have to care about yourself and teach your family to be self-sufficient now I'd even go so far as to say get a ham radio you know get some sort of communication system because it's it's going to go down and I hope I'm wrong I really 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 hope I'm wrong and if I am wrong you can all come back and say hey you were wrong and I'll say yay I'm really glad I was wrong because I wouldn't have wanted that to happen but I think you prepare as if the worst scenario is going to happen you look at what's happening overseas with the food supply and you look at what Klaus Schwab is saying he's Klaus Schwab is saying 
There's going to be a huge problem with the supply chain. There's going to be a catastrophic problem with food. People are going to starve. I mean, this is coming from Klaus Schwab, who is trying to lead the world down his path to his one world government. He is saying there's a supply chain shortage. People are going to starve to death. He is saying that, which means that he's planning that. And which means Jacinda is in on that because she is his protege. And yes, I was going to say that when you said about uh, she's elevating herself by betraying her country, it is looking very clear uh, now to many of us that she's willing to sacrifice Kiwis, the beautiful, trusting Kiwi population, and this country that has given her so much in order to please this man with whom she has deep links. What was she? She was in the young, she was the leader of the young independent socialists. She was the leader of the World Youth Communist Party, I think. And she also won a UN award when she was 16. Her father's a Freemason. Um, She went through a Freemason scholarship to university. She did her internship with Bill Clinton and Tony Blair, both of who are high-level Freemasons. And if you've seen Tony Blair's interviews lately, how he wants to um, get rid of the unvaxxed, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, he's absolutely loopy. And she's she's with all that group. She's with that group. And there's her father, who's just stepped down because he can probably see the shit hitting the fan as the um, guy running the Tokelau Islands. In the Tokelau Islands, they have never had COVID. There has never been COVID in the Tokelau Islands, yet there have been families there who have been under house arrest for a whole year under Ross Ardern's leadership because they won't take the vaccine. These people have not been allowed out of their house to do their shopping, to go to church, anything, nothing. They have been under complete and total house arrest for over a year under Ross Ardern, who was positioned there at the request of Jacinda Ardern. They are in a country where there has never been COVID and they're under house arrest for not being vaccinated. If you can explain that to me as being good for their country or good for their well-being, I'll fall over backwards because that is so wrong. These people are not allowed out for over a year. Staggeringly brutal story. It's a staggeringly brutal story, and we'll put a link to that as well underneath. Yeah, yeah, I've got it. It is so horrific, and even though they're allowed out now, these are very religious people. They're not even allowed to go to their church, which means so much to them. It's only in the last week or so that they've been allowed out. And only in the last week that Ross Ardern has stepped down because it's starting to come out. And again, my appeal to mainstream media, please, if you are looking at this interview, please follow that story and put it out on mainstream media. It is shocking. And he will, he should be imprisoned for what he's he done in the total. Been years ago for lots of other things, actually. But yes. Really, I haven't looked If you look up the Panama, if you're in America and you look up the Panama Papers, you'll see what Ross Adun has been involved in. But um, very conveniently, Jacinda has blocked us from looking up the Panama Papers in New Zealand. We cannot look right? up we cannot look up the Panama Papers that involve Ross Adun from a New Zealand computer. But if you're in America, you can look up the Panama Papers and that involve Ross Ardern. And then you will see a whole lot of really interesting things, which I'm not going to say here in case I get the cops around. But it, it is, um, yeah. We have, we have censorship that we don't even know about in this country. Alana, it has been just an extraordinary hour with you. We need to do this more regularly because, number one, your research is second to none and your intelligence and your analytical mind are the same. And I, you know, I think thirdly, I just, I just love your integrity. You will stand up fiercely for the country you love and you will do it even at a cost to yourself, but you will stand for all of us. And you, I I count 
as among the finest of what this country produces. I have nothing but respect for you, Alana Ratner. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Thank you.